Good morning to each one. I greet you in Jesus' name. I want to say first that I was blessed by the personal testimonies last Sunday morning and even today. Um, in my mind, that's the way to do council meeting. <laughs> now, we do it other ways too, and I'm fine with that. But there's something about personal testimonies that seems real, and it seems like brotherhood to me. But that's my personal opinion. But I was blessed, and uh, thank you so much for those. At communion, we often go to Luke twenty-two nineteen, or 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four and 25, and we read the words of Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. The word remembrance in those passages means recollection, remembering again. Not so much remembering something that we may forgotten, but a celebration or a remembrance of something that is significant. And you can think of a birthday or an anniversary. You know, we celebrate such events not because we have forgotten that, you know, we were born or that we're married, but the significance of that event in our lives. And so it is today. We are remembering again the suffering and death of Jesus. Not in case one of us has forgotten, but because of the significance of his death. Today for a message, I want to think about a happening in the crucifixion story. In all four Gospels, we have the time in the trial of Jesus where Pontius Pilate brings a prisoner out before the crowd. At the Passover, it was a traditional thing for the governor to grant mercy on a prisoner's death sentence. And as you know, the Jews were calling for the crucifixion of Christ, and Pilate gave them the choice between Barabbas and Jesus. And I titled this message, Barabbas Preferred to Jesus. I want to read Matthew's account, and that's found in Matthew 27. Here in this account is where the crowd preferred Barabbas to Jesus. And leading up to this account, Jesus had suffered a second round of false charges and accusations from the Jewish leaders. And now in Matthew 27, starting in verse 15, and we will read through 26, we come to even a greater perversion of justice when the crowd chooses Barabbas over Jesus. Matthew 27, verse 15. Now when the feast... I'm oh, sorry, we'll start over. Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time there was a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called 
Christ. Now, if you have a King James Version, it's, does it say Jesus Barabbas? Does someone have that? Is it in this gospel? I was going to look that up before I uh, got up here this morning. But one of the gospels says Jesus Barabbas. Okay, just keep that in mind. Verse 18, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate's first attempt to set Jesus free failed. And so Pilate moves on to a different strategy. He tries to get the crowd to ask for Jesus released. And as you saw, it was the governor's custom at the feast of the Passover to release one prisoner chosen by the crowd. And currently on death row is Barabbas, a notorious prisoner who Pilate has in custody. And that word notorious means famous or well-known, typically for some bad quality or deed. His name means son of the father or son of his father. And that bar, the first part of his name, signifies son, as when Peter is called Simon Bar-Jonas, son of Jonas. And the other part of his name, Abbas, signifying father, as in Abba father. And so the name Barabbas simply means son of his father. Now, one thing I want you to keep in mind, a name, son of the father, doesn't necessarily mean his father was a godly man. Now, that's debated. I mean, he could have been, but beware. Such a name could also mean he was following in the ways of his father. And I didn't know if I should say this or not, but he could have been a chip off of the old block. Okay, so it's debated. And so we may wonder, did Barabbas choose this life? 
this evil lifestyle, is, is this a path that he chose or was it handed to him by ungodly examples? We don't know. However, however it was, something had gone terribly wrong. According to the four Gospels, Barabbas appears to have committed three crimes at least. He was in prison for murder, for sedition, and for violence. Those three are a sorry combination of offenses for sure. And Pilate thought, surely, surely, the people would choose Jesus rather than have a robber and a murderer released back into society. That's what he was thinking. And so Pilate offers the crowd a choice between this evil man, Barabbas, or the innocent Jesus, who is called the Christ. Pilate knew it was out of envy that the leaders had handed Jesus over to him. Pilate may not have been a good judge at this second trial, but apparently he was a good judge of character. He knows Jesus is innocent, and he tries to get the crowd to ask for his release. And then we have that little side note that happens, and I find that interesting. While, you know, Pilate is dealing with this, while judging this matter, Pilate's wife sends a message to him warning him of Jesus' innocence. And she had this dream about Jesus, possibly more like a nightmare, that is causing her great distress. And we are not told the content of the dream. But the dream in some way confirmed to her that Jesus was an innocent man. And so she sends Pilate a message telling him about the dream and warning him, don't condemn that innocent man named Jesus. And so now Pilate has another reason to declare Jesus innocent. His heart tells him he's innocent. His wife tells him he's innocent. He's convinced of Jesus' innocence. He knows the Jewish leaders have handed Jesus over to him out of envy. And now his wife has this dream also confirming that Jesus is innocent. Peter, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, I believe it's verse 13, he's preaching. And Peter preaches that Pilate was determined to let Jesus go. Pilate thinks he has a slam dunk with a Barabbas or Jesus offer. There is no possible way the people will want the wicked Barabbas back on the streets. And so they will have to ask for Jesus' release. That's what Pilate was thinking. But you see, he didn't count on the Jewish leaders' influence with the crowd. The leaders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas instead. Verse 22 again, Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Christ. 
They all said to him, let him be crucified. Verse 23, then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate asked the crowd for their choice, I really believe it was to his surprise and dismay they asked for Barabbas. And dumbfounded, Pilate asked them, What shall I do? What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? And the crowd just shouts back to him, Crucify him. And why? You know, Pilate... He, he's, in, he's in the middle of this thing. What crime has he committed? And notice the people don't even answer. They just keep crying out, crucify him. Isn't that the way it often goes? When you don't have a good argument, just shout louder. People do the same thing today. Peter again in his sermon in Acts chapter 3 says, But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Jesus, the man who went about doing good, healing and teaching the people. But Peter said they denied the Holy One and chose Barabbas, a robber and a murderer over Jesus. They preferred the man of violence to the man of love. And then Pilate, when he saw that he was getting nowhere with the crowd, he saw that an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. In other words, instead of declaring Jesus innocent, he declares himself innocent. He washes his hands in front of the people saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. Pilate tells the crowd, it's your responsibility. And I find it interesting. That's the same thing the Jewish leader said to Judas when he returned the money to the temple when he betrayed Jesus, the 30 pieces of silver. What did they say? What is that to us? That's your responsibility. You know, it seems like nobody wants to take responsibility for Jesus' death. The Jewish leaders blame Judas and pass Jesus off to Pilate. Pilate blames the crowd and tries to pass the responsibility onto the people which the people gladly received. They responded with, let his blood be on us and on our children. And so verse 26, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he declared him to be crucified. The guilty man goes free and the innocent man is condemned to death. But the truth is, there is only one innocent person here. The Jewish leaders are guilty of false accusation and persuading the crowd 
against Jesus. Barabbas is guilty of multiple crimes. The crowd is guilty of choosing Barabbas over Jesus. Pilate is guilty of condemning an innocent man to death. Jesus is the only innocent one here, and Pilate hands him over to be crucified. Barabbas preferred to Jesus. I said at the beginning, at communion time, we read the words of Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. And I told you the word remembrance means recollection, remembering again. Not so much remembering something that we may have forgotten, but a celebration or a remembrance of something that is significant. And so I ask you today, what is significant in this happening of Barabbas preferred to Jesus? And I believe what is significant should humble our hearts this morning. And I believe it should make us burst out in thankfulness to what Jesus has done for us. And so, first, the crowd. What should we remember? What is significant about the crowd in this happening? What should we remember? Jesus in his earthly ministry, spoke of two ways. He would say, you know, in the past it's been done like this, but now I show you a new way. And this new way of which Jesus spoke made the religious leaders feel uncomfortable, vulnerable, and out of control. The new way revealed pride and selfishness of the heart. Shouting for Barabbas to be released was in effect saying, we want the old way. We don't want the Jesus of Nazareth way. We want the old Barabbas way. And it's easy to condemn the crowd. But before we come down too hard on them, I believe we must for a moment examine ourselves. Who or what have you chosen over Jesus at times in your life? How many times have you been given the choice and you have chosen someone or something else over Jesus? Proverbs says in several places, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few 
who find it. So what must we learn from the crowd? The crowd reminds us of two ways. The broad way and the narrow way. Which will you choose? What should we remember about Pilate? What is significant? You know, when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere with the crowd, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he declared. It's your responsibility. And I said before, instead of declaring Jesus innocent, he declares himself innocent. He washes his hands in front of the people saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. If only it were that easy. If only we could make ourselves innocent simply by saying so. No amount of water can wash away your sins, but the blood of Jesus can. We sing the song, and maybe later we can sing it together. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Pilate sentenced Jesus to death, but it is the sentence over Pilate's head that endures throughout history. Have you ever thought about that? Pilate's actions are recorded in the four Gospels, and his name is memorized in the Apostles' Creed, which has been read in churches all over the world for centuries on end. And if you want to find that, it's 721 in the Mennonite hymnal. Please do it later. But that's where you can find the Apostles' Creed if you have it. Don't know what that is. But in that creed it says, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. In some churches it's their tradition that every morning, Sunday morning, they, they repeat that together. Or they go over the, uh, together they recite the Apostles' um, Creed. But in Pilate's defense, in Pilate's defense, we have thrown him under the bus, but in his defense, he did ask two questions that have stood the test of time. And that's what we want to remember him by today. In Matthew 27, verse 22, Pilate asked the crowd, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Question number one. And in John 18, 38, Pilate asked Jesus, What is truth? These questions have stood the test of time. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And what is truth? I believe those are significant and something we must ponder. What should we remember about Barabbas? What is significant? What happened to Barabbas after his release? The Bible gives us no clue. 
There's a lot of speculation, but I, I really don't know if we know. Did he go back to his life of crime? Was he grateful? Did he eventually become a Christian? Was he loyal to the crowd for demanding his release or to the one who took his place? We don't know. You would think the image of Jesus carrying his cross would have been etched on his mind and heart for the rest of his life. But even though we don't know what happened, one thing is for sure, Barabbas had to make a choice. And that's a choice that every one of us must make. Surrender to God in grateful acknowledge of what Christ has done for us, or refuse the gift and continue to live apart from God. You see, our story is really no different. We too were once far from God. On death row, in Ephesians it talks about our condition before we came to Christ, dead in trespasses and sin. And it's in that very condition that Jesus died for us. Turn, if you would, to Romans 5, and I'd like to read verse 6 through 8. And as we read these verses, we can think of Barabbas in prison, on death row. Another gospel said he was actually chained to other prisoners. Think of his condition. Think of your condition before you came to Christ. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a perfect and sinless life, died for the ungodly, while we were yet sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. The just punishment for sin is death. And so we are all condemned to death for our sins. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, the innocent died for the guilty. I am Barabbas. You are Barabbas. We are Barabbas. Jesus died so that we could live. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him, that is Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. S several months ago, 
Brother Calvin Hurst was here and he talked about the good news of the gospel. And he, you know, did that thing, good news, bad news, and, you know, well, here, I have a bad news and a good news for you. But the bad news of Jesus' trial before Pilate is that an innocent man was condemned to death and the guilty person was set free. That's the bad news. The good news of the gospel of Christ is that an innocent man was condemned to death and the guilty are set free. So there you go. I got one on Calvin. (laughs) In closing... I will share parts of a writing that blessed me. And it's not necessarily word for word, but I'll share it, uh, parts of it with you. And so we have today, we looked at Jesus and Barabbas, both sons of the Father. And yet they couldn't be more different. One rules by taking the lives of others. The other rules by giving his own life. One wants to overthrow the king, and the other is the rightful king of the people. One is guilty and will be set free, and the other is, innocent, is an innocent man who is about to be killed. The real son of the father, who is innocent, will go to his death. They freed the wrong son. Jesus was going to be killed for the kind of crime that the man set free actually committed. Jesus literally took Barabbas' punishment for him. Jesus even marched to his death as Barabbas would have. In fact, he marched willingly and quietly. And yet it wasn't because he had lost. Jesus was not outsmarted by his opponents. This was not a mistake or an accident. The crucifixion of the innocent Lamb of God was God's plan from eternity past. As the Gospels say over and over that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. And I'd like to close, finish up with Galatians chapter 4, and I'd like to read 3 through 7. And I believe these verses put what we talked about today in a nutshell. Galatians chapter 4, 3 through 7. Galatians 4.3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, 
you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This morning, we are a blessed people in so many ways. And I wish each one of you God's richest blessing as we remember the suffering and death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And may we always choose, may we always prefer Jesus over Barabbas. And may we learn from the crowd, may we learn from Pilate, and may we learn from Barabbas. And most of all, remember what Jesus has done for us.